Welcome, you are now listening to the Pasteo Podcast, where we highlight stories five from and about the Puerto Rican community. Bienvenidos a todos. You are listening to the Paseo Podcast, where we highlight stories by, from, and about the Puerto Rican community. My name is Joshua Smyzer de Leon, and I want to thank you for downloading this episode. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are streamed, give this podcast a like and subscribe to it. It makes a world of difference. We started this podcast as a way to bring attention to the diverse and vibrant stories that make up the Puerto Rican communities here in Paseo Boricua in Chicago and around the world. From La Isla to the diaspora, we hope you enjoy what you hear. On today's episode of the Paseo Podcast, I sit down with Carlos Jimenez Flores. We're going to talk about the third annual Boricua Film Festival, get a sense of what that lineup looks like, some of his inspiration, why he decided to get into filmmaking, why he decided to put on a Boricua Film Festival to begin with, and some information on how you can take part in this weekend's festivities. We are here in the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. I am joined by author, activist, filmmaker, Carlos Jimenez Flores. Carlos, thank you for being on the show today. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Good, good. Uh, for our listeners that may not have met you or know of you, what should they know? I'll give you the chance to introduce yourself. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I kind of do a lot. Um, I was born in Chicago. I didn't know I was born in Chicago until I returned from the island. So when I was a toddler, my family moved to, to back to Puerto Rico. My my mom is from Juncos. My father's from Santurce. They came to Chicago, you know, for a better life. Um, they had me and my sister. And then uh, once my sister was born, they returned to the island. So all my earliest recollections are from the island. I didn't know that I was born out here. Um, Spanish is my first language. And um, when I came back, I was um, eight years old when my family moved back here. And um, so I never felt that, I always felt that I was a, a, a Puerto Rican born in the island. Um, but it was a, a real shock to me. Um, it was traumatizing and being introduced to racism at such an early age. And actually, that's what one of my books, Bicentennial, is about, that experience, that first year that I was here, and I learned that it doesn't matter how light-skinned someone is, um, you know, you're still going to be hated the same. So that was that. Yeah, it's interesting you bring this this point up. My mother always tells the story of living on both in, in Puerto Rico and living here in Chicago and that when she would be here, she was uh, too brown for mm -hmm. America. And then when she'd go back to the island, she was too American yep. for the Puerto Ricans. Yeah, yeah. Having people question your identity or your Boricuanes, right. that's, not, that's not something that's, that's easy. No, nah, and, and, and it's not cool because, like, you know, you go to the island and they're like, ah, tú no eres de aquí, tú eres de allá. Mm -hmm. And then you're here and you know you're not from here. You know you don't belong. And they remind you and tell you, you know, as often as they can. And then it's like, you're not from here, you're not from there, then where are you from? Um, 
And the way I could answer that is, for example, I have a niece that is in the military and she was stationed in Germany when she got married um, and had her child in Germany. That doesn't make the child German. Mm-hmm. So just because I was born in Chicago, that doesn't make me American. You know, I'm Puerto Rican, just like my niece's baby is Puerto Rican. I have a friend whose parents, um, his father was a banker um, and, and in California, and he was transferred to Hawaii. And from Hawaii, he was transferred to Thailand and spent two years in Thailand. Well, while he was in Thailand, um, you know, my friend's parents, that's, that's when his mom got pregnant. So my friend technically was born in Thailand. That doesn't make him Thai. You know what I mean? Like they spent, you know, he was born and he was there like maybe like until he was one. And then the family returned, you know, back to the States. But he's not Thai. You know what I'm saying? Like in his case, he's American. The stories that we're sharing right now are stories that I feel are very relatable. And Mm -hmm. with you as a filmmaker, as an author, as an activist, I'm sure your mind is just swimming with different stories, different experiences. So I want to talk about how you share or give a platform to those different experiences, specifically from a Puerto Rican lens. We're going on the third year of the annual Boricua Film Festival, and I do want to take a deeper dive into what goes into all of that. But I want to first talk about your own personal filmmaking. What made you want to go into that? I've always been a storyteller. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, when I was a child, I was uh, an oral storyteller as a child. And I remember when we first moved, to Chicago when I was eight. I didn't live with my parents. I lived with my aunt and she had six children. Five of them were boys and it was a two bedroom apartment. So like, you know. Yeah, lots of space to run around. Six boys, six boys in one bedroom in Mm -hmm. a set of bunk beds where you got three on top, three on the bottom. Mm. Like that was really crowded. So we'd stay up late nights, of course. And they would be like, yo, tell us a story. And then I'd be like, okay, what do you want to hear? Something funny, something scary, you know, whatever. And then I'd just make something up. Or sometimes they would ask me about Puerto Rico, tell us, you know, how it's like, because they had never been there. Um, you know, and they were bilingual because my, my aunt was born on the island. So they were bilingual. It's just that they were all born here. Mm-hmm. So I've always been a storyteller. Um, and film didn't come first. And I don't see it as work. I think that I I don't know like I I don't want to spend my life working I don't work um, when I do film it's just an extension of myself it's an extension of my mind my heart my soul um, maybe the closest thing is like yeah maybe I I could probably say it's a passion um, but I'm passionate about myself I'm passionate about the things that I do um, you know Barry White once said in an interview on BET, uh, Video Soul was the, was the was the show I used to watch that all the Gosh, time. Deep Cause, cut. Cause, wow. Cause I got yeah. some blackness in me. Um, but Barry White said, you know, you show me a kid who likes mm-hmm. to flip burgers in McDonald's and I'm going to show you someone who is going to own his own restaurant in five years. Mm-hmm. Because when you love what you do, you just become the best of it and the money comes later. That doesn't even matter. If you love money, he goes, then you're going to find someone who's either going to be in jail or dead. Mm. And Barry White said that because he, at one time as a teenager, got into gangs and was arrested. And his mom left him in the jail, wouldn't bail him out so that he could learn his lesson. And look what he turned out to be. You know, Barry White is Barry White. 
So the opportunity came. Um, I always felt that it would come. And the opportunity came um, when a friend of mine uh, had moved to from Chicago to L.A. to do the hot, you know, to live the Hollywood dream. Right. Um, and it took him nine years to get a break. And he got his break. He's Puerto Rican. He's got his break because another Puerto Rican who had been in the industry um, started to produce and got lucky um, and was hired to produce a film. And he asked my friend to write and direct it. And so my friend reached out to me because out of our circle, I was the storyteller. Mm. And he's like, bro, you know, like, I need you out here, you know, come and help me. And that was 10 years ago. Um, I literally quit my retail job. I was a manager at Carson Peary Scott, uh, rest in peace. Um, and so. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> So I um, I quit my job and moved to L.A. And, and the same day that I landed, I had never been at a casting car, nothing like that. But same day I landed, they picked me up at the airport, went straight to the casting office. And here we go. That first movie is called Fastlane. It had distribution. In that movie, the star of the movie was um, Stephen Bauer mm. from Scarface. Yeah. He played Manolo, the tall dude. Um, he was also in Traffic. Mm -hmm. um, so many movies. I mean, he's an icon for us, you know, especially after Scarface. Yeah. Uh, and also in that same movie was Anthony Ray Parker, who became a friend of mine after the film. Um, he came out of the Matrix. He's Dozer in the, in the Matrix. He's yeah. really cool people. He's actually from Detroit, so we connected because you know Midwest brother for sure. Um, yeah, and Olivia Brown from uh, Miami Vice, the TV show Trudy, and that was really cool because like I don't get starstruck. It was just cool that here's a TV show that I grew up watching and I knew who she was, obviously. And it's like, I get to work with her. Like, that's just so dope. Like, and same thing with, you know, um, Stephen Bauer. It's like, we recite, you know, the line, you know, you know, like, and, and dude is like sitting next to me and we're going to the bar and we're hanging out and he loves to sing and he yeah. does karaoke. So it's like, you know. I'm like, wow, this is really, you know, this is really cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, it's got to like, be surreal. It, yeah, you know, I have um, written, directed, and or produced 12 feature films, and I've been blessed to work with so many different actors that at some point or another, you know, you see on the big screen and you're like, yo, you know, it'd be cool to work with them. You know, like Danny Trejo. Mm -hmm. I did a movie with Danny Trejo, and so... um. He never was did just, a movie. I've never done a movie with Danny Trejo, but I've had Trejo's Tacos in, in ah, L.A. Okay, the guy, okay. uh, the guy's a good businessman. It is it, cool. You know, he's man. funny. Um, oh, I bet. I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff. I mean, talk about someone you could learn a lot from just being in the presence of, you know. You know, one of like my intimidating. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. No, one of my favorite all time movies is Heat. And yeah. so, you know, he's in Heat. Um, but Machete, I mean, mm -hmm. that's his iconic role, right? Um Absolutely. Spin-off of Spy Kids. Yeah, yeah. Some say. Yeah. Or, I don't yeah. know if that's official, but yeah, yeah. Unofficially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but definitely like um oh and he, I think he did American Me. Or was it Blood Ooh. In, Blood Out? One of those two. Shoot, I want to say Blood In, Blood Out, but I'm yeah. gonna have to IMDB it. Yeah, so but Danny Trejo was funny because like he came in, we only had enough money to pay him for like three hours worth of work, right? So like we had to make sure that his scenes were like on point so he comes in and he's like hey 
you know. And sometimes I go in front of the camera. So I, I was doing a scene with him, and he's coaching me on how to act and whatever. And, I, and that was cool. But he was like, hey, um, you guys want me to take off my shirt? Because he loves to show that big tattoo he got on his chest of the <laughs> of the Mexican lady with the big sombrero. Uh, we just had a blast. And in the movie, we made him an homage. It was a comedy. Um, I don't know if I can say it, but it's called Pendejo. Yeah, you're good. I just said it. Yeah, yeah, you're good. <laughs> but we had him take out a machete just out of, you know, mm-hmm. Just for for kicks, and we just had a blast with it. But um, also, I just looked it up in IMDb. He is in Blood In, Blood Out. Nice. So you were right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, talking about these different icons, I did not see a lot of us represented in film uh, growing up. I'm happy to see that it seems to be trending uh, in a good direction in terms of representation on on the big screen and the small screen. Doing something like the third annual Boricua Film Festival. Why is it so important to have something that is specifically geared towards the Boricua experience? Because we do have a Latino film festival here in Chicago. Not to say that the more the merrier. We should have a bunch of film festivals, especially that highlight the experience of people of color. But why, going on three years now, why did you decide to, to do this? Okay, so... There are several elements to your question. Yeah. So I'm going to attack. It's a layered one. Sorry. Right. No, no, no. So I'm yeah. going to peel the layers. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start with Latino Hollywood first. So we all know that Latinos in this country make up roughly about 26% of the entire population. Now, Latino Hollywood, knowing that we represent a fourth of the total population, we don't see that representation displayed on the small or the big screen, right? Because, and, and, and these are numbers that you guys can look up where we're listening. Um, about 4%, they did a study, and I forget which university it was. They did a study of every single leading role of every TV show and movies going back, I think, seven years it was. Wow. In that, they found that 4%, 4% of our roles are Latinos. So obviously, we know there's a discrepancy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't, yeah, super. Like, that's not even close. That's like 4% versus like we're 26% of the population. Now, think about the fact that Hollywood is in California. Hollywood is not LA, people. Like Hollywood is, is is an actual city. So like Hollywood is not in is not in LA, but it is California. Now here's the thing. California used to be Mexico. So what do you think Latino Hollywood is? Latino Hollywood is Mexican. So where does that leave Puerto Ricans? Where does that leave the other Latinos? Puerto Ricans make up 0.01% of all and that's probably Benicio del Toro and J Lo, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. So 0.01%. That's what we get as Puerto Ricans. So when I decided to to start telling stories through film, I'm conscious of the fact that we're super underrepresented. And I moved to LA, right? So my friend calls me, I moved to LA 10 years ago. And I'm there for three years. And while I'm there, we shoot three films, three feature films. Um, and I learned a lot of lessons. 
because you know hollywood i mean and the movie making business is is really rough um so we really got shafted in a lot of distribution deals where our first movie for example Fastlane, made over we know it made over three million dollars in distribution just on dvd sales and stuff um that movie was even in the shelves of well blockbuster rest in peace mm. um hollywood video and all those yeah. video stores um you know we were on the shelves and you're gonna tell me that there was no profit you know what i mean so they cooked the books because they gave us they made us like real happy talking about oh yeah well you're gonna get 75 percent of the net well there was never any net because they they cooked the books and they kept all the money mm. they just kept saying oh no we had expenses and expenses so wow you had over three million dollars of expenses and there's no way to double check that no because they ended up going you know we took them to court and stuff like that but then the company dissolved like they just filed for bankruptcy Jeez. they dissolved and then a different company bought the rights to their library which included our movie so they repackaged our movie and retitled it so now it's not called Fastlane anymore it's called jacked like mm -hmm. as in carjacked mm -hmm. so that's the hollywood There's so game. much irony in that yeah yeah so <laughs> wow. so that's the hollywood game so to answer one of the layers um i decided to leave la and I just didn't want to be the little fish in the big pond. I wanted to be a big fish in the little pond. So I decided to come back to Chicago. While I'm in Chicago, I shot a few more feature films. And then I decided to move to Puerto Rico. Why? I went back to the island because I felt that there is so much talent on the island. And I kept seeing a lot of Puerto Ricans leaving for L.A. and some of them to New York. And some of them to Atlanta, because now Atlanta is a booming, you know, film industry, you know, thanks to Tyler Perry. You know, a lot of shows are shot there like Walking Dead and mm -hmm. I can go on and on and on. I think it'd be great to see something on the level of Tyler Perry's studios for Latinx community. I mean, I, I think what Tyler Perry is doing is an amazing model. I was watching this one video on social media. I don't know who posted it, but it was Will Smith and they were they were filming Bad Boys 3. They were filming Coming to America Part mm -hmm. 2. So they mm -hmm. run into Eddie Murphy and mm -hmm. um, Wesley oh, Snipes. Else? Yeah, Wesley Snipes. And they mm -hmm. run into them and just how amazing of a scene that is mm -hmm. to see t like Black Titans filming on a studio a film set that is owned by a black man yep. like that's incredible mm -hmm. um and that would be amazing if we had something like that and within the latinx community mm -hmm. and no shade to tyler perry i think that's right a, what he's doing serves as a great model for any cultural community right the community no and you know i think you know puerto rico is long overdue you know one of the things that i thought would happen but nobody stepped up is that at one point um, in Saba, Rosie Rhodes, the, the abandoned military base would have just been perfect as a movie studio because it has everything. It's on the water. It has a huge uh, shipping yard, mm. but it also has a, an airport. So it's so huge. I've, I've been yeah. there and I've gone all around that place. And it's like it was already it's made. It's, it's a base. It's a city in itself. And that would have been just perfect for any studio. Um but anyway, we ain't got that. Kind sure. Of yeah. Right, right. So, you know, so there's that layer. I went back to the island to make films. And while I was in PR, um, I made history because I'm the first Puerto Rican director to have 
three films theatrically released in less than a year. No one had even done two. I went ahead and did three. So that was awesome. Um, and it was pointed out to me when I was doing the promo tour, the first one, the media tour, I mean, I'm sorry, the second one, um, they were saying like, wow, no one has ever done, had two movies in the theater in one year. And then I'm like, okay. And I knew that the next movie was already like almost finished with the editing. And I'm like, I think we're going to be able to hit, you know, like get it, sneak another one in the theater. And we did. And so that to me is, is it, it, you, it, the feeling is indescribable. And it's like, better than winning any award you know you're pioneering to, to yeah to just yeah. do make history because i did some research and i honestly believe that i don't even think i know spielberg has done two and spike has done two but i don't think anybody ever there's it's one thing to do a movie and go straight to video because there's some people that can do like five in a year and go straight mm -hmm. to video that's different to get a movie into a theater not only do you have to not only do you have to make a movie that's marketable, you have to have a movie that a distribution company agrees to purchase, and then they have to get it into the theater and convince the theater that this is something that should play on their screen. So it's a process. So to get three of them in in a year, that's just unheard of. And so I'm really proud of that. So you you obviously have put the work in, and sounds like you've been really pioneering, especially for uh, Boricua filmmakers. What goes into planning something like a Boricua film festival? Right. So the third layer to the previous mm -hmm. question, which is going to tap into yeah. what you're asking, is that um, when I started from, I was living in Puerto Rico, but I would frequent Chicago and going back and forth because all my business ties are here. And so I was familiar with the Chicago Latino Film Festival because even before I started making movies, I would go to the festival just to watch movies. Um, I was just a big movie buff, you know, forever. So what I was noticing is that it's called the Chicago Latino Film Festival for a reason, and that is they barely play Puerto Rican movies. They might throw two, maybe three a year, um, but it's not a Puerto Rican festival. Let's just be honest. So they can't focus on that because if they play more Puerto Rican movies than that, then it kind of starts to become a Puerto Rican festival. And I know that's not what they want. And that there's no shade in that. It's just the reality. It's a Latino festival. We're talking 20-plus Latin right. American countries. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... They have to have their movies from Chile and Argentina and España and Mexico. You know, they got to have all of that. So there's no wrong with that. Cause Cuban films, even Dominican films. So we're lucky to get two or three a year into that festival. But living in Puerto Rico and now being in the industry and making history, all of a sudden, I was getting other filmmakers contacting me. And all of a sudden, I was, you know, like just getting to know so many different filmmakers. And I was being invited to screenings and all kind of stuff and just being privy to the scene on the island. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this is great. That's great. This is great. That's great. And I'm like, 
everybody in Chicago, like nobody in Chicago sees this stuff, you know? Actually, nobody in the diaspora. So then my mind starts to work. The little hamster starts running in the wheel. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm like, I want to create my own Puerto Rican film festival, and I'm going to call it the Boricua Film Festival. And what I wanted to do with the Boricua Film Festival, because I also own the rights to not only the Boricua Film Festival, but also the Puerto Rican Film Festival and the Humble Park Film Festival. And I've done all three. What I had in mind for the Boricua Film Festival is that I wanted that to only only highlight short films by Puerto Rican filmmakers. All the films don't have to come from the island. They could also be, you know, Puerto Rican filmmakers in the diaspora um, because I shouldn't punish somebody who decided to move to Atlanta or L.A., Miami, New York, and is making film. Yeah. So basically, the Borica Film Festival is a traveling film festival. So I take the same group of short films, and then I want to go all around the diaspora, all around the country, mm-hmm to towns that have a huge population of Puerto Ricans. Like, for example, the Borica Film Festival is going to be playing in, in Milwaukee. That's coming in January. Um, but I want to go to places like Cleveland and Lorain, Ohio, Allentown in Pennsylvania, Hartford, Connecticut. You know, people don't associate those cities with Puerto Rican populations, but guess what? You know, Lorain, Ohio the Puerto Rican population is about 35% of the entire population of that city. And they even have, you know, like aldermen and stuff like that, you know, in place. And Hartford, Connecticut is about 45% Puerto Rican, even the mayor is Puerto Rican. So there's towns like that that we don't even know about that have a huge, you know, Bridgeport, Connecticut. There's places like that, and obviously the New Yorks. And now Orlando and Central Florida has become the Mecca for Puerto Ricans mm-hmm. with over 1.5 million Puerto Ricans. So Borica Film Festival is a traveling festival. The Humble Park Fe- Festival is, I wanted something where we can showcase not only um, short films, but also feature films. And I wanted to just have it here, whether it's at Clemente High School or, or what have you, because, you know, we're literally like, we don't have the San Juan theater anymore, you mm-hmm. know? And one of my dreams is to bring back a theater, you know, a movie theater to the Strip. The first Borico Film Festival that I did was at the Puerto Rican Arts Alliance. And it sold out within 10 hours. So we asked if we could run it a second night, and we did, and we sold mm-hmm. that out in less than 24 hours. So in 24 hours, we sold out two shows. Wow. So... That lets me know that there's a need, right? Mm-hmm. And so I felt that it was just validation that what I sensed was something that, you know, my community, our community could have. There was really that gap. That gap was there and the need was was met. And mm-hmm. so I'm just going to continue to bring um, films from the island and, and the diaspora by by our people, you know? Like like Fubu, right? For us, by us. So <laughs> that's it. That's, that's it. So. We want to take this moment to say thank you again for listening. When you download our podcast or subscribe to the podcast itself, that makes a world of difference. So gracias for taking your time to listen to us. We also want to take this time to thank the sponsor of today's episode. This episode would not be possible without the generous support of the Puerto Rican Cultural Center. 
The Puerto Rican Cultural Center, located at 2546 West Division Street, right here in Chicago, is a community-based, grassroots, educational, health, and cultural services organization founded on the principles of self-determination, self-actualization, and self-sufficiency that is all activist-oriented. For more information on the work they do, give them a visit at their website at prcc-chgo.org. Again, that's prcc-chgo.org. Now, if you or anyone else you know would like to be a sponsor of the Paseo Podcast, please email us at paseopod at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-E-O-P-O-D at gmail.com. Tell them Joshua from Humble Park sent you. Yeah, I, let's let's take a deeper dive into this uh, third annual Boricua Film Festival. Uh, where is it taking place? What movies, what short films are being showcased? Do you have a favorite in that lineup? What should our audience know? Okay, so the festival is going to take place this coming weekend, November 9th and 10th, Saturday and Sunday. It is part of a, a collective um Paseo Boricua this weekend. Um, it's called the Creative Experience on Paseo Boricua. And basically, we have the Boricua Film Festival. We also have WEPA, which is a community pop-up where artisans are selling their goods. We have the Rican Renaissance, where Puerto Rican authors are reading excerpts from their books. And if they're poets, they're reading their poetry, but they're selling their books. They're you know um, signing autographs and stuff like that for people who want to do that. And there's also another component that has to do with wellness. So all of this is happening this weekend on the Strip. Um, but specifically for the Borica Film Festival, um, this year I'm showcasing three films. There's a filmmaker, his name is Skip Font, and I'm a big fan. I was being interviewed because I have a movie called Motel 666, and I was doing the media tour in Puerto Rico and came out in the theaters. That's one of the three. and then. Um, he was the person that had just been interviewed on this TV show that had to do with films in, in Puerto Rico and Puerto Rican filmmakers. And he was promoting a short film called 3000. 3000 is about Roberto Clemente. Um, because when Clemente died, um, he had just hit uh, 3000 hits for his career which is kind of like the threshold if you want to get into the Hall of Fame and he for him to die with 3,000 even is is just like, you, you can't write it better than that. This is the ultimate script, right? And so when I met him, you know, like we exchanged info and coincidentally or not, because I don't believe in coincidence, but the following day was going to be the private screening of um, 3,000. And so, you know, Clemente's family was going to be there and all of that. So he's like, hey, do you want to go? I'm like, of course I want to go. So he put my name on the list and I show up the next day. And I kept sitting there and I'm like, because I have always wanted to do a movie about Clemente. And I think that every Puerto Rican filmmaker wants to do a movie about Clemente, I would think. But I do because baseball has been in my life my whole life. And I used to play for Clemente High School, mm. so it's in my blood. Well, Berto well, Clemente is a perfect person to to look up to and want to absolutely. share that story. Absolutely. Great humanitarian. 
that's actually one of the films I'm looking forward to most seeing this weekend yeah, too. So let He's me actually on my wall in my office too, on my wall of icons. I was blown away. Like I, I was sitting there and I was, I, all I kept saying is I didn't know this guy, right? I had just met him the day before mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, I hope this dude didn't screw it up. I hope he doesn't screw no, it up. Yeah. Right. Because nobody had ever done a narrative. There's documentaries about Roberto Clemente, but nobody has ever done a narrative and nobody has done a feature film on Roberto Clemente. So, here it is. And when I'm sitting there and I was blown away, I even told him after the movie, I'm like, bro, let me tell you, I am blown away. And I, I was honest with him. I'm like, you know, I sat there in the beginning, like before the movie started and I was like, I hope he did it right because I'm going to be upset if this guy just, you know, walked in and just did it wrong. But he did the research. This was a passion project for him and he's just a great filmmaker. And so, um, and then I saw another short that he did called Jessica, which is also in this film festival. And it's a horror. And um, audiences always get scared and jump and stuff. And we laugh every time because, you know, I know when the I know when they're going to jump. So it's like it's just funny to watch the audience react. To, okay, maybe to... I'm not looking so much forward to that movie. Uh, I can't is... watch scary movies. I got to have all the lights on. Ten of my closest <laughs> friends with me. It's got to be during the day. <laughs> But I, I, I love horror, man. That's my favorite genre. So, like, I enjoy that, that movie as well. And then he did a comedy. So, it's like, he did a biopic, he did a, a horror, and then he did a comedy. And the comedy is called Sencillo. So, I'm putting all three films in the festival. Um, and, unfortunately, he won't be here. Um, but I do have a filmmaker that she's flying in from L.A. And she'll be here this weekend. And her name is Alejandra Lopez. I met Alejandra. Because when I was filming my movie, Mi Princesa, in Puerto Rico, somebody brought her to the set because we needed an actress. And that's how she started in the business. Uh, I believe she was either like 19 or 20 years old, something like that. She was very young. Um, and she came on the set and we cast her in the movie. Um, and she did well in Mi Princesa. Mi Princesa was another movie that came out in the theaters in Puerto Rico. That's one of the three. Uh, they played Mi Princesa in the Fine Arts Theater, which for me was like a chip on my shoulder because I'm like, you know, I always wanted to to do a movie that would play in a fine arts theater. And I got to make that wish come true. And Mi Princesa was also released on public television. PBS uh, aired it. And the ratings were so high, they called me and they said, can we, you know, show it again for Hispanic Heritage Month? And I said, yeah, just send me another check. Sure, that is cool. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to make sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Right. Absolutely. So Alejandra did a short film called Fulano. And this was a couple of years ago. And I had that one in my first Boricua Film F- Festival. And now, recently, this year, she uh, released a movie that she wrote and directed as well called um, La Capa Azul. And La Capa Azul has been doing the festival circuit and has won awards. Mm. And so I'm like, you know, can you can you send me La Capa Azul? Because I'm about to do Borica Film Festival and I would love to have a debut in Chicago in my festival. And she was like, I've never been to Chicago. Is it cool if I go? I go, what? Are you kidding? Like, of course it's cool. That's awesome. So she's coming and she's, you know, one of the filmmakers that that's going to be there. Um, so because she's coming, 
I decided to also show Fulano so people can see both of her mm-hmm. movies. Uh, Fulano was her debut and now La Capa Azul. So both will play and she'll be there present and we'll have a QA. and um, I'm going to save her two movies for last so that way it's fresh in people's minds and they can ask her direct questions about both. I'm really excited about La Capa Azul as well. And I don't know anything about the movie. I didn't look at a synopsis, but just the cover art for it grabbed my attention. Me too. When you think of La Capa Azul, you're thinking mm-hmm. of a blue cape superhero, yeah. uh, but the cover art is a, a boy uh, back to the to the camera. And the cape is not a traditional cape like we'd see on Batman or Superman, Superman but it's actually a blue tarp. So I'm assuming there's some tie-in to Hurricane Maria, maybe, if I'm assuming I'm assuming here, but I don't want to give too much away. No, and I have not seen the movie. Ah, okay, so, so we're on the same page. We're on the same page, and I'm excited yeah. because I, I love Alejandra and the work that she does, and so I'm super, super excited because not only do we need, um, you know, Latinos and Puerto Ricans in the movie industry telling our stories, our stories, we need women too. You know, and so I will always support women filmmakers. Um, so I'm very excited about having Alejandra here. There's another movie called Otro Corto, which is um, a spoof on the movie making business. And it's a great comedy. Like the audiences always react. It's like gut busting, like so funny, hilarious. And there's some innuendos and it has everything to do, if anybody knows what the movie industry is like or if you've been an extra on a set, anything like that, you've been exposed to how movies are made, this movie right here is just going to make you crack up. Like, it's just going to be a hilarious laugh. Um, and then we have a movie that's a local movie. It's a documentary. Um, it's called The Good of Chicago. And so we're going to debut that short film um, here in, in the Boricua Film Festival. And, and that documentary has to do with the history of Puerto Ricans in Chicago and, and now currently, you know, the Humble Park community because, you know, I don't know if some people may know, some people may not know that Puerto Ricans weren't, we weren't always in Humble Park. We started in the in the east side, in the southeast side, uh, coming from Indiana, the steel mills, and then, made our way to the south south side of Chicago and then into Lincoln Park when it was undesirable and then it became desirable and they pushed us west and that's how we end up in Humble Park and now we're battling, you know, um, gentrification and they're trying to push us further west and, you know, if we don't if we don't slow that down, I don't know if we could fully stop it, but if we don't slow it down, we're going to end up in Reese Park, you know, and our children will be Puerto Ricans in Reese Park instead of Humble Park like we were not in Lincoln Park, how our parents were. I had the opportunity to go see Latin history for morons down at the Cadillac Palace in the Loop, John Leguizamo's show on Broadway. And a theme that he weaves through that narrative is this journey for finding a Latinx hero for his son who's working on a project. And just the struggle of trying to see and research who are our heroes and question why haven't these heroes always been present? Why can't we just have a conversation with someone and immediately think, okay, these are, these are my brown heroes. So having opportunities like this, I think are so important because we are giving a platform and a space to take in these stories, to lift up those people doing that work. Cause filmmaking, I 
don't have any experience in it, I'd imagine it's it's a lot of freaking work and you have to be passionate about that work. So I appreciate you giving these different filmmakers, creating that space and giving them a platform to get those stories out here. I think they're much needed in Chicago. For someone listening that wants to attend this, is it a free event? Is it a ticketed event? How do how do people get access to this? Yes, yeah, so it's a it's a ticketed event. It's a donation. Um because how much is how much are you asking? The, the, for donation the donation is ten dollars. It's like, for example, the Joker just broke mm-hmm. a record for is it's the highest grossing R-rated film in history, right? And we have no problems going to the theater and spending, you know more than ten dollars on the actual ticket and then mm-hmm. spending like another additional 20 bucks uh on the popcorn and the hot dog and the pop and and, and what have you oh you get and for 20 bucks you get three things no no, no, no i go to the theater you're going to i i you gotta I like it's 20 bucks you gotta have you gotta have the yeah. rewards card <laughs> so the the thing is that we have no problem putting that kind of money into somebody's pocket who's not going to invest in the community but when we have something like this that it's for the community you know all of a sudden we start you know yelling and barking and and i don't know i guess chalk it up to human nature but all i'm saying is that you know this is to support the arts this is to get our films out there um and with your support the community's support we can continue to do these kinds of things you know we don't have a movie theater because we just don't, you know, like if, if we don't put collectively our resources together, then we're not going to have the things that we wish we had. And so that's my goal. My goal is to bring a movie theater to Chicago, specifically to our community, so that we can continue to show the work of our people and tell our own stories. Because let me tell you something, we can't even be brown when we're supposed to be brown. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck did a movie. Oh, Argo. Yes. Mm-hmm. Played a Mexican man. He played a Mexican. Mm-hmm. This is a biopic. This is this, this is not even something that was just made up. And he directed that. Right. This is a movie. But he loved the character so much that he decided, I want to do the character. No, dude. You're not even Mexican. So many Mexican actors don't get a break. And, and literally, this white guy who is in charge, he's the writer, director, producer, decides he's going to hog up a role. That's like, I don't know, that's like Andy Garcia playing JFK. Mm-hmm. Do you think the American public is going to be okay with that? You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. That's that's like a dark-skinned, you know, Latino playing MLK. I don't think the black community is going to take it, you know, well, if someone who is not African-American plays king, mm-hmm. it just ain't going to happen. Absolutely. And and we see that discussion come up time and time again, almost feels on the regular, where if there is a character that may have been portrayed as traditionally white, if a person of color is cast in that role, the outrage on the Internet that it's not true to this, the core material is just mind boggling. When you look at the history of cinema and how historically people of color have been yeah. have been kept out of roles that are actual are actually meant to be people of color in favor of someone who's quote unquote more marketable right i just found out last week that the the spark the idea of the story behind the lone ranger was a black man 
who became a ranger in Texas. Okay. Hello. Now I understand why they call him the Lone Ranger because none of the white rangers wanted to work with him. And so he had to be out there on his own. And he was doing so many great things and doing what he does and being a hero. And But I grew up watching Lone Ranger being a white dude. Mm-hmm. But this, this actually, this character was created because of a man in real life who was a ranger. And they called him the Lone Ranger because nobody wanted to work with him because he was black. In our last episode, we were talking about our top 10 Puerto Rican, favorite Puerto Rican superheroes. And this just reminds me, we were talking about representation and talking about the fact that when we are represented, it's almost a char- like a caricature of the culture. And you, you just saying Lone Ranger made me, made me think of Power Rangers, which made me think of the Black Ranger, which made me think of Zach, who is a black man, who is also a breakdancer. And I was just getting frustrated as you were talking because i was like yeah you're speaking truth my man this is something that has consistently happened in the film industry yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah the, the small screen and the big screen and that's the thing so that 0.01 percent of the jobs that go to puerto ricans yeah that's your gardener that's your thief that's your drug dealer that's your rapist you know seldom do we get you know and benicio has broken barriers but that's one guy oh another one of the short films that i'm showing is a great cinematic movie that i love from the first time i saw it and it's called el extraordinario senor jupiter and that movie is amazing it is a fantasy romance movie i mean i have there's a little bit of everything for everybody and this movie was was written and directed by a uh a young man in Puerto Rico, his name is Federico Torres, and this dude has done an amazing job with this film, so I'm very proud to have that be part of Bodica Film Festival as well. Um, but yeah, talking about superheroes, you know... We um, should probably do a top 10 favorite Puerto Rican we're gonna like, do that. movie stars, we're gonna do that. you know, actors, whatever. Anyway. But check this out. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Groot is based out of the Seba. We talked about this in the last episode. You understand what I'm saying? He was, I think, my number five, number four top uh, Puerto Rican superhero. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So, like, say about tree. You know, so, but a lot of us don't know that information. Mm-hmm. You understand? So, it's like, not only do we need to create our own characters and tell our own stories, but we also have to be good about sharing the information so that it gets out. And and then the next generation doesn't go through what we go through. This is so the third annual Boricua Film Festival, a great way to share things uh, that are specific to the Boricua experience, or at least give you a glimpse into the creativity that exists within the Puerto Rican community, not just here in Chicago, but throughout the diaspora on the island. There's just such a wealth of experiences, knowledge, creativity out there. So this film festival is happening this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, November 9th and 10th, both days, 11.30 a.m. to to 5 p.m., two times in a day, watching all the films, if I heard you correctly, is 90 minutes in total. So you can come to the first time on Saturday, then you can come again and watch them again a second time Sunday, then come again and again the next day. Plenty of opportunities. You can't say you didn't have the time. There's four different opportunities to watch this. It's only asking for a donation, and you can find that on Eventbrite. Yeah, it's on Eventbrite. We also have a a Facebook page for the Boricua Film Festival. So if you go to Facebook and you go to our page, Boricua Film Festival, 
and like our page. You'll see the link there that'll take you to the Eventbrite and you can make your donations there. Um, if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Paseo Podcast, on our Facebook page especially, we put it underneath our events tab so you can easily access it there as well. And then 2739 West Division Street is where you're having it. So that's Pedro Abizu Campos High School. Yes, that right? is correct. So Pedro Abizu Campos High School, 2739 West Division Street. That's where we're going to be screening our films. How can people follow you and not just the film festival? I'm on Facebook, just just like that. My name, Carlos Jimenez Flores. You can find me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm kind of new to the gram, so... Uh, <laughs> But I'm sharing a ton of Puerto Rico pictures, and they're all gorgeous. So get, get on that. Of course. All right, Carlos, thank you for being on. Thanks. Without our awesome guests, this podcast would not be possible. And without you, our listeners, this would not be possible. So we really appreciate you listening. If you want to reach out to the show... Connect with us by visiting our website, paseomedia.org, emailing us at paseopodcast at gmail.com, and following us at paseopodcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a tip, want to pitch a story, or send us a compliment, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for downloading this episode, and see you next week. Cuídate.